Welcome to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, a podcast for how to run a small contracting company. Whether you're a general contractor like me or a trade contractor, starting fresh or been in business for years, here's all the stuff you never knew you'd have to know before you started your contracting business with the man who's seen it all, your host, Mike Kenoki. That's me. You know, I've been running my contracting business for 16 years in many ways, and I've been podcasting for about three months, and I got to say that talking to Kyle has been really awesome because he's been running his consulting business for 14 years, and he's talked to hundreds of contractors about our struggles and what we do. And today we're going to go on talking about um, knowing your audience when you're in someone's house. This is pretty good. And then uh, we get into the meat of what you're doing to watch your money once you're under contract. Daily logs, job costing. And then we get into some rapid fire with change orders, the final 5%, and what to do after your contract is over with your clients. Do you keep in touch? Find out today. Here we go. Kyle Hunt, part two. And a recent guest, I think it might have been on your podcast podcast titled um, The Worst Podcast Ever. Yeah. Perhaps, I think. Uh, yeah. I remember and, that one. And, uh, and yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> uh, your guest suggested humor. Yeah. And... and, and and, uh, you know, I avoid it cause I'm not very funny, but cause you can say the wrong thing. I mean, you can, yes, you're playing with, you're you, playing you, with fire. You you are, you got to know your audience. So it's better just yes. to not think you're funny. Yeah. And you have to, to be who you are know. if it's not, com- yeah. yeah. But yeah, humor. It's, good to, it's good to be yourself, but yeah. But also humor. I feel like humor can make, can drop the barrier between client and contractor a little too quick and then they want to deal you know as soon as you become buddies they're like hey hey nah, that might it? be an alaska that might be an alaska thing mike oh yeah you guys get that buddy buddy just by cracking a joke i live in a small town well <laughs> i mean if it's a good joke i suppose um i suppose so anyhow yeah but humor the the podcast itself i actually have this hat over here from the the pga championship the ocean course down in mm. beautiful south carolina so my guest on that that podcast um is a client of mine phil bennett and he had an extra ticket i, I love following golf and playing golf and and uh he had an extra ticket to the pga championship that nice some might remember phil mickelson won so we were down there and it was at kiowa island and it's a beautiful place and he said kyle i got a i got a podcast idea let's call it the worst podcast ever Let's not do any prep work. When you promote it, people will be like, what's it going to be? What are they going to talk about? And they're going to tune in and your listenership will be higher. He actually had a good point because it, it was a little higher. Um, and yeah, we probably, I don't really remember because we bounced all over the place, but um, we, he probably did talk about humor. And, you know, for me, my brand, I can't help but being who I am. Like I, if, if people don't want to have a little bit of fun, if people aren't willing to be a little vulnerable and, you know, it takes time to build that. Um, but I'm, I like to, I like to have a little bit of fun. My ideal client, if they're super serious, is probably not my ideal client. 
Um, you know, so yes, it can be something that can help, you know, diffuse uh, a little tension in the, you know, in the conversation, but you're playing with fire there. You got to be careful. You got to make sure you don't cross the line. And, um, you know, I, I, and when I used to speak early on, I would, you know, I guess I take pride. I would probably be a good word for it, which in this case, it's negative pride of like, if I'm speaking in front of a group at the remodeler show or an international builder show, oh, I got everybody's attention in the room. Um, and, you know, occasionally in the afternoon session, people get tired and they fall asleep, even if you're super, you know, you know that. And early on, I would like say, hey, what's going on? You're falling asleep over there. And I remember offending a couple people. I'm like, I got to stop doing that. Mm. You know, so you got to be careful with how you use it. But I think the biggest thing is, is know who you are and, and be authentic to yourself. That's probably the biggest piece of advice on that. Yeah. Authentic, authenticity brings clients running to you. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really, they really like your eccentric little things and, and quirks and yep. Yeah. Okay. So now we're under contract, you know, we got to keep in touch with our contractor, our subcontractors, update our clients, but what about money? What about keeping track? It's a big topic. How do we keep track of the money side? Mm -hmm. Could be talking about job costing. could be talking about money coming in and out. Could be talking about change orders, all that thing. Mm. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then, I think, you I know, think, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, yep. Yeah, please. No, you. No, I refuse to go. You're going. I've I've already when this situation happened earlier in the podcast, I actually went. But it's your turn to finish your sentence. Well, I I I, I just think it's really important to keep track from the get go. Yeah. So whatever your system is, yes, you've got your down payment in there, and you've got costs coming in, payroll going out, mm -hmm. and you're seeing that declining balance. You're watching for your next landmark payment. Yeah, there's a lot of money coming in and out. So a few thoughts on this. One, one is on the, on the payment schedule, just a little tip. Do not do it at the completion of phases. Do it at the start of phases. If you have a payment that's due at the end of the drywall phase, well, what, what happens if you still have that little thing to, to patch up and 98% of it's done? The client could go, well, I mean, you're not technically done with the drywall phase. So I've seen a lot of my clients just do it at the start of phases and switching their payment schedule to that. Um, so that's just a little tip related to that. But, you know, the biggest thing on this topic is the topic of money coming in and out. It is hard. It is because hard. It yes. isn't, isn't, isn't the end of drywall the beginning of trim out? You know, now you're, look, listen. I'm a guest on your show, you know, I'm, I'm putting, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a quasi busy guy, you know, I'm giving you this time and you're going to pick apart my advice like that, Mike. Uh, it's that bad humor that I was just talking about. Yeah. Not, I mean, you funny. do make a good point. You do make a good, no, you do make a good point. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to ponder that a little bit actually, because yes, it would be the start of that, but I can start it a lot easier than I can finish something. How's that? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. There we go. I think I worked through that. Um, but with, with the money coming in and out, I mean, you compare, we've, you've got deposits coming in, you've got money coming out, you've got overhead expenses, you've got job cost expenses, you've got progress payments. It is a very complicated beast. Um, so one thing I do recommend, I've got a lot of clients who do utilize profit first, profit first, just type in profit first and just read how it works. That's all I'm going to say there. A lot of people that really help that man, helps them manage their cash flow pretty well. But the bigger topic here is 
if you're not doing proper job costing, you are losing money. You work your face off to generate leads, to do a beautiful job, to hire people. You've got so many things coming at you. And at the end of the day, you need to make money as well. And what I have found is the difference between a 4% net profit and a 9% net profit. The difference between a 6% net profit and a 12% net profit is paying attention to your job costing. I was talking to a remodeler yesterday. It was my first meeting with him. And immediately where we started was the profit and loss statement. And I said, man, your profit and loss statement is telling me that your job costing, your job cost, your cost of goods sold is 50% and your gross profit is 50%. How are you doing that? Well, if, if we understand a P&L for a typical remodeler, that's way, way too low when it comes to cost of goods sold. That's a really high gross profit. That would be incredible markup. And what it was is some of his cost of goods sold expenses are down in overhead expenses instead of up in cost of goods sold. So we start by understanding our P&L and getting that organized. But beyond that, I said, okay, give me your last project. Tell me about your last project. What were you expecting to make in gross profit? And what were you, what did you actually make in gross profit? Just to remind us what gross profit is, we have our total sales minus cost of goods sold equals gross profit. This is before your overhead expenses of, of rent and, and insurances, et cetera, and marketing and all of that. And then at the bottom, you have your net profit. But what was your expected gross profit versus your actual? He is not able to tell me that for a couple of reasons. His QuickBooks isn't up to date with every material and trade partner, subcontractor expenses tied to that specific project. He's not doing that. And in addition to that, he's not having, he's not doing a good job of attaching his in-house labor hours to a specific project. So he has no way of telling me for that, for that section of your work where you quoted 20 labor hours for demo, you were expecting it to be that many hours. What was your actual? He's not able to tell me that. Now, why can't he tell me that? Because he doesn't have his job costing in order. And it's not because he doesn't want to know that. It's because he's really busy and he hasn't prioritized getting that part of his business fixed. If you are a remodeler and you are working your face off, you've got good sales and you're not making the type of money that you want to make, you've got to get your numbers in order. You've got to get your job costing dialed in. It's incredibly important. It's not, it's, it's hard. It's not impossible though. Once you're able to tell me expected gross profit versus actual and compare those two, you'll become a better estimator. You'll become a better field manager. You'll be a more profitable remodeler. There's a whole litany of things that'll improve. Estimated gross profit versus actual. If you can't tell me that, you stink as a remodeler. Uh oh, I'm being mean now. I'm trying to draw. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. Uh, uh, I'm trying to get lots of views on our on our podcast here, Mike. But you yeah. suck. How's that? That's about the most violent word I say. You suck. Why are you? You're you're telling me you're not ticked off because of all this slippage. You were expecting to make four thousand dollars of gross profit in that phase, and you made fifteen hundred, and you're not ticked off and wanting to know why. You no worked doubt. so hard. You just divided the number of hours by uh, you worked on the job and how much money you got out of it, and you're looking at really bad wage. I cut. Yeah, a lot and you know, but the thing that really the thing that really ticks me off about it is. Yes, you're not making nearly as much and you work your face off. And when you're working your face off and you're not making a bunch of making good money, you can't hire people around you to help and to delegate some of the workload. And when you're working your face off, your marriage suffers. You're not the kind of dad or friend or man of faith or 
hobby. You know, you can't do those things because you don't know your stinking numbers because you haven't taken the time to know them. You've got to put effort towards that. We might, we might be preaching to the choir. Most of the people listening to this, we might be preaching to the choir, but hopefully there's one person listening to this that it's like, okay, I've got to dig into this. And there's a litany of resources for it. Yeah. And because we're so, we're so grounded in what we're doing, it's really hard to go backwards and, and start pulling those numbers together. Yeah. You're, you're like, oh, I need to do it, but I don't know how to do it. And one of the first mm-hmm. things I did was I started having my employees track what they were doing and Beautiful. on their timesheets. They told me how much time they put in a demo because I couldn't be, I was not on the job sites. I had so many jobs sure. going. I was just checking in or calling. I wouldn't see them for a few days at a time. Yeah. Uh, but, I'm, so, but I'm worrying so hard. Oh, there's nothing that gets me ticked off more than hearing the employees of my clients say, well, we don't want to ch- sign in and sign out when we're doing demo or when we're doing framing, we're doing trim. We're trying to work out here. Shut up. I am not asking yeah. you to do a lot. But we need you to do that, period. It is your job. If you can't do that, then go find another job. But Kyle, it's really hard to find good people. I understand. You might be a little more delicate. But do your job because I need that so I can become a better estimator. I need that so we can make more money. I need that because when we make more money, I can actually pay you more. Like be a team. I need you to help me understand the hours that you're working on each phase. Get it done. The top 10% of remodelers in our industry, I get a lot of insight. I've looked at hundreds of P&L statements. The top 10%, the biggest thing they do that the bottom 90% don't is they know their numbers inside and out, period. If you want to be highly successful and highly profitable as a remodeler, it's not because you do a more beautiful finish in that trim work. It's not because you have the cleanest job site. It's because you know your numbers and you take that seriously. That separates the amateurs from the pros. Sorry, I got a little passionate there, Mike. No, that's, that's what you wanted though. Yeah. That's why that's why I got you on the show. I hope so. For your passion. Good. All right. So we are at like a little over 45 minutes. How are you doing on time? I'm doing well. I got a few more minutes. Okay. You got like some fun rapid fire. You got you know another another Oh, should questions. I start adding rapid fire? That'd be fun. Um whatever you okay. got. Okay. Change orders. Change orders. You know my thoughts on that? Yeah. Rapidly. Was that a, was that a question or was that a statement? It was it both. Oh, so you're going to just throw out a word and then I'm going to share my thoughts on it. Is that how it we're rolling? It was two words. It was two words. I love it. I love it. So change, change orders. Um, so the, the bottom line here is here's what you want to do is you need to train your team that when there's a change order that they, the yellow flag goes up. There is a moment where you say, hey, whether – they talk to the client about it, whether they're trained enough to do that, whether they call you and say, hey, this is outside the scope. What do you want me to do? Whatever the case is. And ideally, what happens when there's a change order is there's a conversation that you have with the client that says, you know, we ran into this or what you're describing there is outside of our original contract and scope of work. I'm going to write up a change order for that. And then what, I, what we do is have you sign the change order and we collect payment for the change order at the time of signing. That's yes. best practice. Yes. That's best practice. Yes. Um, so that's the, my thought on, go ahead. And then, and then the time and materials associated with it beyond just the change. Absol- yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And, and one, and one more thought on that is, you know, 
I understand, I'm empathetic to why we don't take change orders seriously. We're trying to maintain the experience of the client. The client was ticked off last week because we did this. So you know what, we're just going to do this for free. Sometimes it makes sense to do something for free, but oftentimes we end up not having that difficult conversation or a conversation we think is difficult. That's not even going to be difficult. And we, we just flush money down the drain. We have slippage. Our gross profit suffers, which means our net profit suffers. You work too hard to do free work for your clients. If it's a change order, you have all of the reason in the world to fairly charge for that. It is yeah. not for you to just get emotional and say, well, they were already high on their budget and they already were spending more than they wanted. It's, it's business. What you're think, just going to, you're just going to take $500 hit on it. Yeah. I think that's a default for people. And, and the trick to getting over that is to go home and have that conversation in your head and write it down and then choose yes. words and go speak to them, look them in the eye and explain it to them. Yes. And they'll get it. And yep. it should be in your contract from the beginning for yep. sure. That should that not there be a surprise. Be, you know, I don't charge when some, when there's surprises though, those aren't change orders. I'm just like, Hey, uh, this is how much this is going to cost. And it's mm -hmm. not an extra change or it's just time materials. And I hope you understand it's taking up more of yeah. my time. But. but but you are when they sign the contract, you already had that conversation because yeah. at that part of the contract, you took your time. Don't race through your contract. And you said, look, this is remodeling. There's we've we've thought through as much as we can. We've got a lot of details and selections made, but there's gonna be things that when we take off and we rip this part, we might find something, you know. So, you know, be prepared for that. This shouldn't be a surprise to them. That's client communication. What about the final five percent? Final 5%. The final 5% of the project is, is the way that people are going to remember you. And the final 5% of the project is the hardest part of the project. You might need to throw more resources at it. You need to take punch lists seriously. You need to have the client and you create punch lists. You need to run through the finish line. Um, I did a webinar on this topic uh, earlier in the year. And one of the examples I gave was uh, fourth quarter. You know, in football, do they call it football up there in the, in the, in the last frontier? They don't Correct. call it like soccer. Cor okay. I'm just making sure. I don't know the Alaska culture. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know, American football, American football, you, your fourth quarter rolls around you see a whole sideline put up four four fingers. They do that because it's like the fourth quarter. It's thinking we're either going to win or we're going to lose, heighten the intensity, get focused. This is the time that the game is won or lost. And I gave that advice in a webinar. And if you go to Rainy Blair down in, down in the Atlanta area and you look at their job board, you're going to see fourth quarter next to three of their nine projects that are going on right now. They want, it, they want to heighten that intensity that says, okay, these three are in the fourth quarter. We've got to work harder than we have up to this point to finish these projects strong. So that's my thought on that. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that everybody listening to this knows what I'm talking about. And sometimes it's just tenacity that it takes to really kick butt across the finish line. It, it does because you're just down to those minor details and yeah, and you got to keep that client smiling. Yep. They're it's hard to give you. Yeah, it is. It is. The project's been but going if you take on for it, a while. If you take it serious, if you, if, you, if you don't just move on to the next thing and you throw resources at it, you get mm -hmm. really clear with what needs to happen and you attack it with enthusiasm, you can knock it out. And that's what a great remodeler, exceptional remodeler will do. Okay. We finished the job. We got, we ran across the finish line together. Our legs were tied together. Mm -hmm. um, didn't trip with the, with the, with no, didn't trip with the architect, the client Ooh. and myself. Lovely. 
Yeah. Um, that was a architect interviews, uh, his, uh, his description of working with clients and contractors mm -hmm. that race. Uh, okay. So we made it across the line. They're happy with the money they spent. You're happy with the money you made because you, you followed your strict guidelines, um, job costing, estimating design. So we're all good to go. But what, what do we do? We, do we just shake hands with our clients and break up? Is this over? Is it over? Hmm. I see what, I think I know what you're doing here because you're a great podcast. Um, Mike knows, Mike knows me enough to know that I talk about staying in touch with previous clients a lot. And he's so kind to have me as a guest that he's like, Kyle, tell him about remodelers autopilot, that really cool program that is very inexpensive, that helps people stay in touch with their previous clients. You teed that up on a pedestal for me. And I will mention that here in a second, but what we need to realize is that when the job is done, you should not two years from now, let's say we finished the job. Yes, we shook hands. Yes, you asked me for a Google review. Yes, I either sent you a really nice client satisfaction survey or we conducted that in person. So I get really good feedback from you on what worked, what didn't work. Yes, I probably gave you a little tchotchke of some sort and, and some kind of little gift at the end of the project because that's just a nice little a little exclamation mark at the end. But if, it, if you fast forward two years from them and you haven't been in touch with them at all, that's not good marketing. That's not good business. Your previous clients are your most valuable marketing asset. When you think about the, the revenue that you're generating this year, chances are that the biggest percentage is coming from either repeat work or referrals from those previous clients. And we need to be just consistently staying in touch with them, staying top of mind with them. Um, so can I mention Remodelers Autopilot? What? What? What is it? Remodelers what, Autopilot. If you go what, to Rem yeah. remodelersautopilot.com, you can try it for a dollar. You get to choose from a couple of email newsletters. You get to choose from like eight social media posts. And it's just a very effective, simple, practical, solid uh, way of staying in touch that we kind of do the heavy lifting for you and make it happen. So that's what that is. What if I sign up for Remodelers Autopilot and and I keep in touch with all my clients and then they start sending me punch lists. Ooh. Well, one, you probably didn't do your final 5% very well. That's first of all. And secondly, honestly, the Mike, way I look at that. Mike, we've been thinking, oh, we've been meaning to contact you. Yeah. For about two years. Yeah. We forget, we just keep forgetting, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be a, that would be a punch to the, uh, punch to the nether regions. That would, that would stink. The way that I always look at that is, um, you know what? I, I want thrilled clients because if I have a thrilled client, um, they're going to tell others about me. And that is incredibly valuable. Um, and if I look at that as a marketing expense, not a warranty call. And a lot of times if I need to come out and fix something, I'm going to stand behind my work. Um, I'm going to find the time and make the time to do that. And now their story is, man, I mean, we, we had a great experience. We had a couple of things that weren't quite right. And we told them about it. They came back out, they fixed it. Um, that's business. You know, it's part of what makes this business hard, the remodeling business hard, um, but look at it as a marketing expense because that time, here's the deal about it, is the time that you invest going out there and fixing it and staying behind your word, you're actually going to make that back over time because they're going to remember that. They're going to come back to you for more work. They're going to refer you. That's, that's a way to spin that into a positive way. I agree. Cool. Hey, um, what else do you want to tell the audience about your, what you do for your clients? 
Cause I know you got to get going. Yeah. I know you got um, lots of important yeah. stuff to do. Yeah. So, so I do, I do one-on-one coaching. I do, uh, I do my podcast, the uh, remodelers on the rise. You can look that up. Um, I also have a Facebook group, Mike, you're in there. Uh, there's over a thousand remodelers. It's called remodelers community. If you go to remodelerscommunity.com, um, you can, you can look into that. Um, and join that just really good place to ask questions, get feedback, really generous, kind, good people in that group. Um, and I would say just, uh, I'm, I'm available for people to, to reach out if you're you know, struggling with the marketing side or the sales process side or the numbers side. Um, I can be a resource for you to either point you in the right direction uh, through some courses that I have, or we can talk about coaching, um, or I can just help you on a free call. So Kyle, we finally met. Do you think, yes, you think we're going to be friends? Absolutely. Yes. Right when I, right when I read, right when I read what you sent over, I mean, first of all, here's the deal. You have been very kind to me. You have talked about, man, I really like your podcast. And I don't know if you're blowing smoke up, up, you know, up my, up my, uh, uh, rear end is one way of putting it. But, um, you've been authentically like, Hey man, I really appreciated this. I heard this. So, let me, let me pause there. Like I already, I already liked you before we got on this because you're thoughtful. You actually like care. You were like, Hey, I'd love to have you as a guest. Would you be willing to do that? You know, you followed up with me, we set it up, you know, so just being kind and generous and, and, um, encouraging me made me already like you. Um, so, and then this has been, this has been fun. You were, you were, you were prepared. I use a thing called five P proper preparation prevents poor performance. And you five peed for this. You've been listening to my content. It makes it kind of fun for you to say, Hey, I listened to that weird podcast about the worst podcast ever. And you had questions about it. So I had a blast on your show. I might even come back in the future. That'd be great. Cool. This, I think you might be the last, uh, you might be the last interview for season one. Ooh, this was the grand finale. Lots of fireworks here today. Okay. What are you gonna do? Take oh, you know, you're gonna focus on getting that book done by October yeah, I gotta, 15th. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty uh I got a lot of work to do. That was an aggressive goal. That was a little bit of an overpromise under deliver goal. If you would have said like October fifteenth, <laughs> two thousand twenty two, I'd have been like, Okay, that seems doable. I mean the manuscript's been I've been beating that manuscript up for like a year. Uh-huh. And yeah. and I had a lot of time into it before, so I look but, forward uh, to getting a signed autographed copy. I'll I'll make that available for purchase. Okay. Um. Duly noted. Because that's what we do for friends. We make them buy our book. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I see where we are. This this has been this has been awesome. I'm really excited to have you on. I. Uh... Excellent. Thanks for having me. So this concludes my interview with Kyle Hunt. If you have any comments. Let me know in a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Instagram at The Contracting Handbook or an email at info at thecontractinghandbook.com or shoot me a text, 907-978-3344. And if you want to know more about my upcoming book release, definitely send me an email. Get on that list for early specials to be determined because I've never published a book before either. But I'm doing it. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. One more topical episode coming up on Monday to review Season 1 of The Contracting Handbook. Thanks. That's all I got. Later.
Thanks for listening today. Go ahead and email me if you want to be on the show or want to tell me what you like or don't like about it at my email, info at thecontractinghandbook.com. And this is where I say, if you have not subscribed, please subscribe wherever you source your podcast. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Later.